Paul, just by me telling you that I, I did have panic. But I still, so if Paul ever gets up and I'm up here preaching and he comes and puts a microphone on, y'all just know I told him to do that. Because I will forget it in the future. Uh, last week we talked about the peace and passive all understanding and encouraging. And uh, we talked about prayer. Uh, and, and that was key to, to what we've got to do. We've got to pray. And so uh, this week I want to talk a little bit about prayer. And uh, I want to uh, go over the example of prayer. And uh, I will tell you, uh, the world, we always say the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, you know, uh, that's not the Lord's Prayer that we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, that's the example the Lord gives us. The Lord's Prayer is in the Garden of Gethsemane, or at least I would tell you the Lord's Prayer is in the Garden of Gethsemane because that's whenever he prayed, that was what he was wanting. And um, But anyway, that's a nuance. We, we can go, titles are, you know, us men, we give titles. Uh, turn to James, the fourth chapter. We're going to start off there because I think how we pray is very important and, and how we approach prayer. prayer. And, and we can't... Um, Prayer is our communications with God. And we're going to learn in this lesson, we don't, God knows what we want, but God has told us we've got to ask. And I think there's a, there's a lot of things in that, the reason we have to ask, and we'll, maybe we'll get into some of that. But starting off in James, the fourth chapter, we're going to read a number of passages. I'm usually one that I like to go to one passage, and I like to stay there, and I like to... Uh, to camp out on that passage and, and talk about it. Today, we're going to, I, I am going to hit a few other passages because I, I think uh, by reading those passages, it's going to articulate it better than I can ever do it. So James, the fourth chapter, you ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures, your adulterousness. You, do you not know that friendship with the world and hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be friend with the world Make himself an enemy of, of God. So what we ask for in our prayers, what are our motives? I can have two motives. And I, I mean, I kind of kid, but it is. It is one of my things I want. That 32-foot yellow fin, twin 300 Yamahas, eight cylinders, I want that. Now, either I want that for my pleasure, and I do, or am I asking for that to build a hedge around my children and my family to have something where we can get out and we can be away from the world and I can teach? And if you ever go on my boat and you go offshore, I can assure you, if you're one of my children, the dive plan will be set up to where I'm on top of the boat with one of my children that I need to give a lesson to, to where I can get them alone. I've got 30 minutes. I think they're close to figuring that out. <laughs> now, I don't know how if God's going to bless me, but I can tell you, and I can assure you, if I'm asking for things for my pleasure, God's not going to give it. And I do not believe I need a 32-foot boat. Contender or yellowfin, I'll settle for a contender. To go offshore and dive to teach my children. But it is a nice hedgerow to put around my children. And I don't know how God's going to bless me. 
But the whole point is, what are your motives? And I'm using my, my silliness to kind of make the point. Uh, whether you hunt, I, you know, I think that's a great place to go teach children. I, I've sat in a many a day, my oldest daughter, Heather, that y'all know, um, it was in a hunting house that we had the conversation around salvation. And because I pulled her back from going forward because I didn't think she was ready. And then she got me worried. But, but that was a time I could sit down and have a good conversation with her. So ask, you know, make sure your motives are right in your prayers. So that's one thing that James tells us. Second thing James tells us, James 5 in verse 15 and 16, just so one page over. Uh, James 5, verses 15 through 16. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, uh, so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Two things. We have to pray in faith. If you're going to pray for rain, carry the umbrella. And that's an old saying. That's a saying we have. I don't know if it's a southern saying or whether that's a saying elsewhere. But if you're going to pray for rain, carry an umbrella. Pray in faith. Pray that God's going to bless you. I pray for this congregation. I pray for you. I pray for my attitude. I pray for many things. And now, and I got to work at that. And I think we all have to work at what we pray for. But are we praying in faith? And I, I think it's key too that a righteous man accomplishes much. I totally believe that. So some of you don't be surprised if Clay gets in dire straits that you get a phone call from me. Because this passage was invoked many years ago whenever Heather got bit by a snake and we were in Thomasville, Georgia and we didn't know she was three years old and the infection was fisting to go into her organs, I mean the, the, center, the, the, the uh, poison. I got news for you. I, I mean, I didn't have the iPhone then. I had a address book. I had elders through churches all out in the southeast. Guess what? They got a phone. So Sandra and I, we were at the hospital. <laughs> this kind of chokes me up still. Uh, we were at the hospital. I said, you take care of her. I'm going to call all our friends that need to pray for us. We had a group in Pennsylvania stayed up all night praying for us. Prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Have faith. Have faith. And so we got to have faith in our prayers. And, and, and those are things. And that's what we're doing here this morning. We're doing two things here this morning. We're doing two things. We're worshiping God. That's our primary focus here. But we come together for Bible study to increase our faith. So that these passages like this, whenever I need to make my petitions known to God, my faith is growing. You've got to increase your faith. And we're going to talk about, there's, there's times God's not going to answer our prayers. And whenever I think about this, and he's talking about here in some sickness, and I think some of this is spiritual sickness, 
and we can we can debate some of this. We'll go to other. There's a lot of passages on this, but the point I want to make: you got to pray in faith. And you know, whenever we talk about people that are aging, I, I I'll be honest with you in public. I, I do pray, but I, I tell you, I, I understand God set a limitation for us to die. We all will die one day. And whenever, I, you know, I've got family that's 88 years old. Now, the other day, one of them got sick, and I prayed for him to live. I prayed for God to cure him. He still had good things I felt like he could do for his family. I felt like he had purpose. But I don't always pray for old people to get well. I pray for comfort for them because there is some balance there. So I don't know if I'm doing that right, but I will tell you, I pray for families and I, I mean, because there is that time. There's going to be a time Clay's going to leave this world. God has set that up. Now, whether that's in a car accident, industrial accident, or I'm going to be very old whenever that happens. I don't know. But we are going to, so there's different times. There's different things God's not going to change. I don't think if I prayed at 105 years old that God let me live another 20 years, I don't know, I don't think He's going to do that. Because two or three things, my body's worn out, I'm not of use anymore, I need to be moving on. And I think that's one of the reasons God gives us age. Makes us look forward to heaven. Because this is a mortal body. So anyway, a little bit of commentary by Clay. You can come over and we have a cup of coffee and we'll talk about it. Attitudes towards prayer is very important. Uh, turn to Luke 18. Uh, Luke 8, 18, 9 through 14. It's very obvious here... Uh, he told a parable here. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and another a tax collector. Remember, tax collectors would be somebody that we would consider our drug addicts, our people we don't look at very favorably in our society, okay? These are people that went by and taxed people and took their money for themselves. And they had the authority to do that. Nothing like our tax collectors today. The Pharisee stood up and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like these other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I pay tithes all that I get. Do you see the attitude there? The tax collector, stand some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. We don't have to tell God how good we are. We are broken. If he didn't think we were broken, he wouldn't have sent his son to die for us. Every one of us are these tax collectors. Now, I'm going to admit, I've met Christians that are great people. I admire them, but they were still broken. They needed Christ. And God don't want us to come tell him how great we are. He wants us to come in a humble spirit 
and be needy. And I, and and I, there's and I and I tell you, as we talk about humility, there's so much about humility in the Bible. It scares me. It scares me because the humble man, the humble person, I think is the one that's going to be uh, welcome. I think it's key there. So we've set some tones and some attitudes that we have to have in our prayers. There is a lot more verses. I can't cover all those in the time we have today. You can do a whole week on prayer. Matthew 6. Matthew 6. This is where we're going to get into Christ teaching us how to pray. Now, before we leave, before, so before we leave, I want you to notice, and I think this is a parable, but there's still enough here for us to see. The Pharisee. I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust adulterers. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all I get. Notice the tax collector's prayer. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Do you see the link? Guys, if a man got up in this congregation do the opening prayer. And we have a tradition that the opening prayer needs to be longer than the closing prayer. We feel that pressure, don't we men? We feel that pressure. If you got up and said, Dear Lord, please help our congregation and forgive us of our sins and thank you for your son. In Jesus' name, amen. you have the right attitude, that prayer is as good as a five minute prayer. That prayer is as good. I, and I believe if we all sat there and we all prayed that same prayer, God's going to receive those prayers. It's about our attitude. It's not about length and we're going to see that. All right, let's go to Matt. I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry, Matthew five fifteen five Matthew six. Sorry, Matthew six verses fifteen five through fifteen. I am getting so tongue tied. All right, real quick, I'm going to hit verses five through seven because that's, I don't want to cover that, but I think it's very self-explanatory. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. Remember attitude there. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the streets' corners, and, and so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. What's your attitude in prayer? We're sitting here talking to God. And I got news for you. So the only time I would probably say Sandra doesn't correct my grammar is in prayer. God doesn't care if you get it right. He knows what you, He wants. Get up and say it. Say it the best of your ability. God will receive it. Because these guys were making a show. We're not about show whenever it comes to being in front of God. But you, when you pray, go into the inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in the secret, and your Father who sees that what is done in secret will reward you. This is, this is all about trying to be pious. That's not what we're doing when we pray. 
Now, there is other passages, and I didn't bring them in here about why we pray in public. Whenever we pray in the congregation, there, there's, there's passages for that. But in 5 and 6, it still talks about attitude. Am I, being, am I praying to be seen by men, or am I praying to go before, put my petitions before God? Uh, when, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentile, Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for, many, for their many words. It doesn't matter if it's beautiful words. You don't have to use uh, ten-letter words in a prayer. I've heard men, and I've probably done it myself, use the wrong word for what they're asking for. God knows what it is. I knew what it was, so God knows what it is. So what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't need to be repetition. What he's telling us is, pray from the heart. Pray for what you truly want. Because I got news for you. My prayers have changed over time. My prayers are not the same. My prayers used to be about clay. Nothing else. Because there was nobody else in my life. Then it might have been about Sandra. Then it was about the family. Then it was about wisdom to raise kids. Now it's about people in the church. It's about the congregation. I mean, I can see my prayers have changed over time. Because I've changed over time. I, my needs have changed. And what I'm responsible for has changed. So the prayers that I used to pray are no good. I need to be, and every day I think our prayers should be changing. Um... So verse 8, so do not be like them, for your father knows what, what you need before you ask. And I think that's, and I, we mentioned this earlier, I think that's very important. God knows what I need. But God wants me to ask. And the interesting thing is, as a father, I'm the same way with my children. I want them to have a realization of what they need, and I want them to come and ask me. I have an issue at work right now. A manager and I have a, a difference in where we should be going. And I told him, I said, I'm going to make the decision, but you, if you'll come ask me and sit down and give me your logic, I'll probably go where you want me to go. I'm trying to get them to have ownership. I think God wants us to have ownership. He wants us to realize where we are. What we're doing. And what he's going to bless us with. But I think it's important that you realize God knows what we need. But he wants you to ask. And I think part of that is so that he realizes that we understand. And that we're thinking about it. Because before I go to my God in prayer, i got to think about it. Now, I'll admit, there are places in my day that I have, this is what I pray about. I have places in my day, this is what I'm going to pray about. But there's other parts of my day 
that it's a 20-second prayer. So I do have prayers that, that I'm constantly trying to pray because, and, and I'll talk about those, and I'll, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. So let me get back to that. All right. So how do we pray and what does God want us to pray for? Um, pray then, verse 9, pray then in this way. So he tells us how to pray. He starts off, our Father who is in heaven. We need to honor God. We are going before God. We need to honor Him. Hallowed be your name. Start your prayers off honoring God. Christ told us that. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice spiritual. Spiritual's there. He's praying for what God wants. <clears throat> Whenever we pray for the church, we pray for brethren. We're praying for what God wants. We put those first. Pretty simple. Also, note as we go through this, it's not a big prayer, guys. It's a small prayer. It doesn't have to be a lot. We can discuss why Christ used your kingdom come, your will be done, why he's doing that in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7. We live in the kingdom today. There's a reason that part is in there. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Food is a necessity. Brother Leo Vogley and I hadn't kept up with Leo used to thank God for the air we breathe. And I always was just sitting there, now that's humility. He realizes what all we need. We don't, how many of y'all ever prayed for thank you for the air we breathe? Brother Leo didn't always have some easy roads to hope. And by the way, Brother Leo was a PhD. He was one of those people that was absolutely brilliant. That everybody would look up and say, I want to be like him. But as he served the Lord, he had some things in front of him. Ask for physical necessities. It's okay. That's what we need to be asking for. God promised us that he's going to give us food, room, and board. Ask for physical necessities for our children. Ask for physical necessities for brothers and sisters. It's okay. But don't be asking for the BMW 
If you need a way to get to work, pray the Lord gives you some transportation. You know, it might just be a bicycle. I still remember the stories of Brother Arthur. My understanding, it was a finger hitchhiking away from So, there's different ways to get there. Pray for physical necessities. Notice that we come back to spiritual needs in verse 12. And forgive us our debts. So, those debts, I believe, are sins. Forgive us of our sins. You can go to other translations, but I think the real word is debts, but it's, it's, it, this is, this is a sp spiritual. Forgive us of our debts. I pray all the time that God forgive me. Because I know I'm a sinner. And I know I got problems. But notice, and I think it's interesting, as I, we also have forgiven our debtors. I think he's telling us, pray for help to do God's will. We're, you, you go back over to Matthew, the fifth chapter, and it talks about have mercy, for the mercy, merciful shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful. In our prayers, realize where we are weak. It is not easy to pray for somebody that sins against you. I know that. And by the way, don't think you're going to solve the problem with one prayer. I tell the story all the time. And this is where it makes me mad. My wife makes me mad. So this lady filed charges against me who was a friend of mine, supposedly a friend of mine. I hated her. And after about six months of me stewing, finally Sanders said, have you prayed for her? And the first time I was going to sit down and pray for her, it was hard. Six months later, I finally could get her whole name out in my prayers. A year later, it was getting better. Just because we start one day, don't think we're going to get what we want and don't think our, my attitude wasn't right the first prayer, but I had to start the process. So that's Clay's example. I'm sure y'all are better than me. But asking uh, to forgive our debtor, our people that sin against us, that's tough. That's tough. Um, notice how much spiritual, verse 13, and do not lead us into, into temptation. Notice how much spiritual we got here. A little bit on physical, a lot on spiritual. What is that telling you? What's important in our lives? What should be important in our prayers? It's not the 32-foot yellowfin. As much as whenever I go down to St. Simon's, I, I, I pull into Marine. I literally drive in there and look at boats. I like boats. But that's what's not important. It's important our brothers and sisters. It's important of our spiritual walk. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Are we praying that God 
helps us get to heaven. Lastly, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Notice we honor God. We took, put two both ends there. Now, I will admit to you, most of my prayers, I honor God at the beginning. I thank Him for sending His Son. There are prayers where I do spend a lot of time on thanking God for sending His Son for me as a sinner and the grace that He's given us and that I can put on the love and the mercy that His Son gave us. There's time, I spend a lot of time in that beginning. I do spend less time honoring God at the end of my prayers. But I do, I do try to do that because that's the example. Um, and then verses 14 and 15, he, he, he's, he's, he's into teaching about forgiveness of others and transgressions. So real quick, I'm, I'm running out of time. Uh, turn to Luke 11. Uh, Luke 11, and, and we're not going to read all this, 1 through 13. And so what you have is Christ telling a parable about uh, prayer here. And he, he uses the parable of, of a neighbor getting up and going knocking on the door late at night and saying, give me some loaves of bread, I've got visitors that's come. And the neighbor says, no, I'm already in bed, my kids are in bed, go away. And basically he says, the neighbor keeps knocking, you finally get up and say, here's the bread, go home. God's, it, it's not about the neighbor. The point is, the point is, so I, in verse 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and, he, uh, uh, and everyone who seeks finds. To him who knocks it will be opened. He's basically making the point in these passages you might have to pray a long time. Don't give up. Because that's praying in faith. Here again, this is where Santa makes me mad. I have prayed for years. I have prayed for years that my children find faithful mates. I've prayed it publicly. You've heard me pray it here publicly. Five years ago, four years ago, I used to pray all of my children. And then two of them got married real quick together. And then I prayed for Douglas and Allison to find faithful mates. I have prayed that prayer. I am praying every day I pray for Allison because that's what I read I'm supposed to do. I am going to, because that is important to me. I hope you have something in every day that you pray about every day until you get it. Lord willing, next Saturday, one of that prayer will be answered for another one of my children. And whenever I get through with that, guess what I'm going to start praying for? I'm praying, I'm already praying for that. I'm praying for their marriages. I'm praying that they look to God. A little baker in Auburn, he's already getting a few prayers about finding a faithful mate. Because I'm reading this passage and he says pray and pray often. I'll admit it's selfish for me to pray for my family as much as I do. But what I've learned 
I can't change them. I got to have God's help. And I'm going to lay that petition there and I'm going to live up to, to what Luke tells us to do. Aggravate him. Become that dripping faucet. I'm not aggravating God. God asked me to pray. And he goes through here and he says, Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a, for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead. Or if he, in verse 12, he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God's going to give us what we need and what we want. Pray. And have faith. You've got to have faith. Last thing, and I almost didn't put this in here, but I think it's important that we do this. Uh, this is a little bit of negativity, but it's also a positive. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 8, uh, this is about his thorn in the flesh. Because of, uh, verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 8, because of surpassing greatness of the revelation for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan torment me to keep me uh, from exalting myself. And concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. God didn't answer this prayer. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. All my prayers haven't been answered. I can't answer you why some of my prayers have been negatively answered. I will tell you some of my prayers from spiritual points of view have not been negative, have been negatively answered. But am I still praying with faith because I don't understand what God has in store? I don't. And I've got to have that faith. But if I don't have that pray, if I don't have that faith and I'm not praying, I'm not going to get that. I'm confident of that. And I can't change the world, but my God can. And if I'm asking him to. I think he will answer my prayers. If you go back to Matthew, the, the prayer there is very simple. It's honoring God, praying for spiritual things, praying for physical things, praying for spiritual things, and honoring God. And it's a short prayer. It's not a long prayer. Now I can tell you whenever I'm in need, my prayers get long. But you won't ever see those prayers. Those prayers are my prayers. Use, we have the ability to pray to God. I can show you examples where God has answered my prayers. And the, and the young lady, I tell all the in-laws that I have now, you're an answer to my prayers. That doesn't mean they're perfect people. I can see them get aggravated with their father-in-law. I don't know why. I'm the best father-in-law anybody can have. But the point is, they are answers to my prayers. And now I'm praying for them to have, that they live a Christian life. Are we praying for one another? Are we praying a godly prayer? And remember our attitudes. It's important how we come to God. And I don't get it right every day. 
but I think my God knows. And he was, you know, as we study on Wednesday night, look at David. You know, there's tons of psalms of him praying to God. He messed up. He didn't. He messed up many times. Just get our hearts right. Go to God in prayer. The lesson is yours. Uh, if anyone here needs to obey the gospel, we always uh, stand and sing. Please come forward.